Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hello there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios. I am the show's host. Today, we get to talk about how complicated healthcare is, and every day, it's so freaking complicated. Each one of our guests brings a piece of their expertise to help us figure out the 30,000-piece puzzle that we are all living in. So I'm going to give you both an opportunity to introduce yourselves and we will start with you, Lindsay. Hi, I'm Lindsay Williams, CEO and co-founder of My UTI. And I am Megan Henkin, and I am the Chief Marketing Officer and co-founder of My UTI. All right, can you both, I'll actually ask you, Lindsay, if you can, or Megan, tell me about what My UTI is. What, how does that fit into the puzzle? Oh my goodness, how does it fit into the puzzle? Uh, we hope it's solving part of the puzzle. Uh-huh. It is solving part of the puzzle. My UTI is a platform that allows people to access advanced testing for frequent and chronic urinary tract infections from the comfort of their home. How important is that? Why do we care? We should care very much. Urinary tract infections are one of the most, it's in fact, the second most common infection in the body in the U.S. And we are experiencing a frighteningly rapid rise of antibiotic resistant infections across the country. So making sure that you're actually confirming what is causing your infection and treating the cause appropriately is going to become even more important. So it's not just drinking a bunch of cranberry juice? Oh my God, no. (laughs) Despite what certain large industry... Yeah, Backed That's studies. What I've always been told we're just like, okay. Yeah, I mean the the problem with cranberry and there's so much nuance to this, but the problem with cranberry is that the juice that you're drinking has so much sugar. Sugar's what bacteria feeds on. So you're really creating more of a problem. The type of cranberry that you need is really specific for supplements. You have to have the right amount of the right ingredient inside the cranberry to actually help. Okay. What about yogurt? Is that going to be? No. And please stop sticking things (laughs) in your vaginas. Will not help. No yogurt. I mean, all these things, great. But if you have an infection, you need an antibiotic. Okay, what do you wish people knew that they don't know? What do we wish people knew about UTIs? I mean, it is such a fun topic to talk about. (laughs) I think that just because it's common doesn't mean that it's normal. I think a lot of people also feel shame and a stigma around urinary tract infections because sex is 
the number one trigger. So the assumption is that you've got a hygiene issue or that you're dirty or that you don't wipe appropriately, right? So a lot of the conversation when you do get an infection can come across, especially if you have repeat infections, is very blaming and shaming from healthcare professionals. And they may be well-intentioned, but the challenge is if it was just as easy as drinking cranberry juice, I think a lot of women would have figured it out by now. And so we need to just start thinking as a healthcare system as a whole, right? We've been using the same technology for the last... 60 plus years. And if you are continually given these broad spectrum antibiotics and that's all you're seeking and you're getting infections over and over again, it's time to start digging a little bit deeper than just expecting to wipe differently and drink some cranberry and be okay. Right. So if it's the second largest type of infection, it happens, it's triggered by sex. Is there anything else that triggers it? Basically having a vulva and vagina okay. is <laughs> you're, you're like set up. But yeah, those are two of the common, a lot of hormonal changes. So when you, as you age, there are changes to your anatomy and then that can cause either urinary retention. You can have changes in your pH and the changes in your pH adjusts the bacteria that is naturally found in your pelvic region, whether that's your vaginal microbiome or your bladder microbiome. And so with that shift in pH, that can lead to overgrowth in the bacteria that can cause a urinary tract infection. Okay. So I'm just like, okay, so how do I become an expert in this? What do I need to know? Am I, do I need to be like measuring my pH? No. No. All right. What are the solutions? If I have an, a, a, a UTI, where, who should I call? What should be my first thing? What do you wish that I would do? What we wish most people would do is one, not overcomplicate your vagina. It's a self-cleaning oven. It takes care of itself. You can put the washes, the douches away, right? Yeah. The second thing is if you have a UTI, the most important thing I would impart on someone is make sure you get tested. And it doesn't necessarily have to be our test, but ask for a confirmatory diagnostic before accepting an antibiotic. Okay. And is that the kind of thing that I have to go see a doctor for? I can't get it at a pharmacy, right? Correct. Okay. Is that the world that you wish we lived in? Do you, do we wish we lived in a world where I could go to the pharmacy and pick up a UTI like test? That's part of our business strategy is that you would be able to go to CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, and on the shelf, you would find a My UTI test kit that you could then take home, collect your sample and the privacy convenience of your own bathroom, and then ship it to our lab. And then we can give you results. And then you can determine where and how you want to get an antibiotic for your infection. Today, the classic pathway is either if you're using telehealth, you call, rattle off some symptoms, and then they prescribe. Data shows that 50% of the time, antibiotics that are prescribed for urinary tract infections are inappropriate and incorrect. So you put yourself exposed to antibiotics that you don't need or that may not work and you'll get a repeat infection. Or you end up going to urgent care, you go to your GP, your OBGYN, pee in a cup, they send it off to a lab, and then you find out in a couple days if you have a UTI or not. So that is more of the confirmatory test, and that's the classic model that's been happening. That's really what we want to shift. We want people to be able to get a MyUTI kit at their doorstep, delivered to the doorstep, you pee in a cup, go to our lab, and then you get your results in 24 hours. And we are providing 
more robust results. So in the classic model, it's really only looking for one bacteria. We look for the top 12. Mm. I mean, I also think that considering the shame and blame part, it probably keeps people from going to see anybody at all. Uh, You know, look, our infections are growing more complex, but our treatment and testing approaches have not evolved alongside that. So for us, it's not just the shame and the blame. Certainly that is a major factor, but it's also the inconvenience. I mean, let's look at our lives, right? We have Uber, Instacart. We are digitally native and we expect this now from a consumer perspective with healthcare also. I'm a busy mom. I don't want to have to take off work, get a babysitter, right? To go sit in an office, wait 45 minutes to pee in a cup. Right. Why? And then not get the results for a couple of days. So then you're just like, okay, well, I'm just sitting with this discomfort for a long time. Sit with the discomfort or what most often happens is you get a starter antibiotic, here's our best guess. Yeah. Right? For a couple of days. And then if we're wrong, we'll let you know and we'll give you a new thing in a couple of days. Can we shift gears? I want to talk about starting this business. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because you guys are definitely doing something different, right? If you're trying to disrupt the way that things have been going, how long has my UTI been around? Like, as female founders, what is your personal history already? Yeah. So, Megan and I were connected in 2019 and very quickly found a mutual soapbox in the area and topic of women's health and and also bonded over our personal experiences with frequent UTIs and also the care of our grandmothers who struggled with frequent UTIs, recognizing all of the gaps and the frustrations, the pain points that existed in the system. And so we came together and said, you know what? No one else is doing anything about this. So why not us? We have all of the professional expertise available to us. We have backgrounds in clinical diagnostics, urology, women's health. It's infectious disease. It's a very specific little little area of where we overlap. And, and then COVID hit. So as we were all sitting at home, swabbing our noses, mm-hmm. sending off our swabs to a lab to determine what, you know, whether we had COVID or not, it dawned on us. Why are we still driving to the doctor's office to pee in a cup? If I can swab my nose at home, I can pee in a cup. Yeah. So my UTI was formed early 2020. And that's when we really started the process from a business perspective of engaging, doing market research, doing a ton of interviews with women specifically who, you know, this was a struggle for them to be able to understand and formulate our technology and our offering. Well, then can you tell me what the process has been like? Because that's not an easy thing that you're trying to do. I mean, have you had much experience like joining an accelerator programs or pitching or going down through? We're here. I mean, just for the audience to know, we're here for Denver Startup Week, right? It's a whole Mm -hmm. conversation around startups in the area. Like what all have you guys gleaned from the community and been able to practice in the last three years that like? It's got, I'm sure that it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Thankfully, Lindsay and I were consultants before we kind of started on this entrepreneurial journey. So I think that served us well in that we can be very creative. We understand how to pivot. We understand how to time block and do things like that. And it has been certainly challenging in that you're building something, you have these big ideas... 
And then comes the realization that there's only two of you to do it. And then there's the money part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what worked to our advantage is that we've been in the space long enough. We understand the technologies that are available, some of the major players. We were able to very quickly identify, you know, here's the panel that we wanted to build. Here's the type of lab partner that we would want. What's the IT structure that we would want? Now, we didn't have the capacity in some ways to build it ourselves because we are not coders, we are not engineers. So we were able to thankfully leverage a lot of relationships uh, and goodwill early on to get a product into market at record speed and meeting all regulatory and legal requirements as well. So I think that has really been our advantage is having been consultants and, and helped other companies really build things from the ground up. But when it's all on you and you're putting your name on everything from CEO, CMO, pitching, putting together a deck, every single investor, angel to VC has an idea of what you're supposed to look like, sound like, be asking for, that's too much money. You guys don't have enough sales. Great idea. Come back. We were pushed and pulled in so many different directions that first 18 months. We really lost sight of like who we are, what do we want to be? And so we pulled back from pitching and just built the damn thing. Yeah. How did that go? Quite well. (laughs) I think that's interesting is that when we put our head down and we focused on the task at hand, things started clicking. And that was when we really started to see the growth and the trajectory that we wanted to see from the beginning, taking away those distractions and really looking at what is the needle mover? What is most important and prioritizing based on that? There's always going to be those daily tasks that take your attention, things that have to get done, but really sitting down and saying, what makes a difference today, this week, this month, this quarter, this year. And for us, that is when things really started to click. And now we're seeing that momentum come back to us in the form of you know, interested investors and fundraising and those things as well. One early thing that we did from an accelerator perspective, it's not really an accelerator necessarily, but it was a program for female founders more of like an ideation stage called the Guild. And one of the exercises that we did was the business model canvas. And for us, that was really helpful in narrowing that focus. What is your most viable product? How do you just get to that next step instead of thinking from a perfectionist perspective, which sometimes we can bring to the table? What is the bare minimum requirement to move the needle to the next level. It's really been an exercise of progress over perfection Mm -hmm. and just knowing that we are smart enough to figure out a pivot when it needs to happen and just really trusting ourselves and being patient, which I don't think is either one of our greatest virtues. It's such a hard one. (laughs) That's the virtue that takes the longest. Yeah, because you can see where you want to go. You understand the vision, the bigger picture, but then having to just sit back and allow meetings to be set up at a pace that it's it's going to happen, making the connections with specific clinicians or investors or it's been a huge exercise in patience where you, and you build a marketing campaign and then it's supposed to be amazing and then things don't really go as planned. Yeah. So I have questions as far as like what investors have asked of you. Have they asked specifically like these two questions? One, are you thinking big enough? Like, is that a question that you have gotten? No. And I have have something. And and then the second one is, 
have you considered the risk or are you taking on too much risk? And I, there's a reason I'm asking this question. So I'm curious of those two, which have you gotten? Neither, oddly. I think based on our backgrounds and, and we invested heavily upfront in legal. And I think that has served us well in anytime there is a question around regulatory. Yes, we've checked all the boxes, you know, and so we are very comfortable in preempting a lot of that from a risk perspective. I think, unfortunately, the questions we get are much more frustrating. Right. Is this really a problem? Is this really a problem? Is this a big enough market? Mind you, 80% of women, up to 80% of women will get at least one UTI in their lifetime. Room of women and we're all just going to raise our hand. Yes, every single person in here would benefit from this product. Yeah. And I think, I mean, going, playing back on that earlier question of like, when we started moving in spaces that served us, we moved faster. Mm -hmm. And now we've become much more aware of spaces that aren't serving us and that aren't built for us. Huh. Well, so that's got to be able, you have to be able to discern like who is working for your success versus, you know, not. And that's a learning process and there's not a one size fits all answer to that. But I think if I could go back and give ourselves advice, it would be throw the playbook out, just throw the playbook out all the things that we thought we were doing. We had our checklist, our investor list. We did all our homework. We had all that. I mean, we we did all the things we were supposed to do. And ultimately, it didn't matter. Well, then what did? What was the thing that mattered that made a difference? Building the thing. Doing the thing. Just doing the thing. Yeah. Doing the thing mattered because that was where we had traction. That was where we gained momentum. It was where we gained confidence in ourselves to be able to say to an investor, like, love that. That's not our company. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because people will come to you and say, oh, you know what you should do? No. No. Sorry, that's not in alignment with our vision. That is a hard one because everybody has an opinion and they're all going to come in and say, you know what, you should do this, you should do that. I get that a lot too. And listen, in the beginning, yeah. it was easy to be like, oh, well, we've considered this or sure, we could talk about that. or you know, And then you start to get that distraction and losing sight of where you are and where you want to go. I like, So the, we talked before we hit record about like the idea of abundance versus scarcity. I definitely <laughs> want to circle back on that. But I lately have been on this, I just can't get off of it about how valuable our attention is and what we give attention to. And it's almost like this laser clicking way of getting to what matters. Because Mm. if you're hearing negative talk or someone's trying to get you off what your vision is and you can recognize it like, oh, that's not in alignment. It's almost like you don't even have to give it your attention. Like that, like, I don't even have to think about that. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm going to do because that's what matters right now. And I'm wondering if that translates into your world too. Absolutely. Because I think to follow up on what Lindsay was saying, and then to your point, we were ping-ponging around saying, oh yeah, okay, well, we'll switch our pitch this way. We'll do this. We were trying to be everything to everybody. We had so many different versions of our pitch. And then when we took a step back and decided like, what authentically matters to us in this business? And we literally built something in under a year. It is on market and people are buying it. 
But yet we are letting people tell us what we've done is not good enough. But at the end of the day, what truly matters is we are changing people's lives. And so we really had to do a bit of a gut check and an ego check on, like Lindsay said, what are our needle movers? Because of some personal situations become very clear on where we spend our energy and where we spend our time. And if this is something we truly believe in, the individuals that we're serving with our product matter to us. Where do I become relentlessly intentional Mm -hmm. about my day-to-day tasks? Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of courage, I think, for both of us to let down part of our corporate veneer because that's all we've ever known. So allowing our one-on-one personalities to shine through on social media is really hard, but we're doing it. We're putting ourselves out there on TikTok and Instagram and it is, it's hard and it's humbling. But I think again, it really means something to us because we want women to feel empowered. We don't want people to go through what we have both experienced personally. I mean, when you consider how yeah. common it is, it's the kind of thing that every woman at some point in her life will experience Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, And it's, should not have that amount of shame tied mm-hmm. to it. I remember when I first met you guys and you came over and you're like, like you cupped your hands. <laughs> Do you know what I'm about to say? I don't know. <laughs> you cupped your hands like this and it was basically in reference to like a vagina or a vulva. And you're just like, the floor to six inches that we represent right here. Yeah, yeah that's me. We've gotten real comfortable about talking about that. Like, yeah. That's what we talk about. And I was yeah. like, I love this for you guys. Like, and I, I, I love this for me too. Like, let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, and I think that for me personally, like I have been that person in my friends and family's life for a long time. My career has been talking about STIs, pelvic floor devices, like a lot of stuff, incontinence, pelvic organ prolapse, herpes, HIV, a lot of topics that are heavily stigmatized, not only for women, but a lot of communities. And if you aren't the person to normalize it, by just speaking the words out loud, then it continues to put those conditions in a closet and bring shame onto it when they are all very real, normal human experiences. And there are solutions out there, but unless you're talking about it or you hear somebody else talking about it, you think that there is something wrong with you. And then you go on longer than you should accepting mediocre care. Exactly. Oh, I'm so glad you guys are doing it. That's the thing for us with my UTI is that it really brings together what for me in my career seemed like a very random set of consulting projects (laughs) into a full circle moment to also be able to tie in my personal experience. And then Lindsay's skill set and my skill set, like she she says all the time, it's the perfect Venn diagram, right? Where I like to get into the weeds with like operations and the marketing and elements like that. And she is a rock star on stage and with pitching. And it's been, I think for both of us, a very humbling experience where she does such a great job on stage and can captivate an audience. And then your success is tied to like, did you get that check? Mm. Right. And so you become very tied to that element. And then for me, it's you put together this social media program, you put together this and then only a few sales trickle and you're like, what is it? Right. So we were becoming so tied to like these outcomes because 
it was so important to every investor that we were pitching to that we kind of lost sight of who we are. Well, so I think it's this is a question I've been asking myself too, which is just like, how do you define success? It's not how an investor defines success, but how do you guys, how are you defining success right now? Allowing ourselves to release vanity metrics okay. was a huge part of this process. And some of that, as Megan alluded to, was just forced by there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so much mindshare to go around. We just really have to be that relentless focus and you know intention that we're bringing every single day. And also just, I think, at a certain point, coming to the end of ourselves mm-hmm. in this process, right? There's, I think, probably very few journeys like entrepreneurship that will make you question everything you thought. <laughs> but specifically being able to say... My personal worth is not tied to whether or not this business is successful because there are things so much more important in life. And ultimately, the people that we're helping, the emails that we get of people who say, thank you, this is life-changing, this made a difference for me, that's what matters. So if we keep that as our North Star, we're going to build the business one way or the other. And if investors want to come, they can come. Hope they come quick <laughs> before we decide we don't need them anymore. That did change the momentum. And there is some kind of psychology around that, of that like FOMO that investors have. Oh, sure. When all of a sudden you're like, mm, I don't know that you're the right fit for me. Exactly. Right? Right. And so it is a little bit of that attitude shift. We're just going to do the damn thing. And if like you want to come along, great. But like we're doing it. Good. Another part of being on this journey has just been being surrounded by so many capable, insanely smart women who are like, I cannot understand why they don't have the confidence to do the damn thing. Because the system's not built for them to succeed. This is the thing. This is the scene from Barbie. It is the America Ferrera scene where, but it is the entrepreneur version of like pitch, but don't pitch too much. Build the product, but don't do this and look pretty, but don't be too pretty, but be credible, but don't be too smart because you can't be smarter than the investor. And you can't literally, you cannot win because it is designed for you to lose. Yeah. I mean, look at the numbers. They have not changed. Less than 2% of women get VC funding. Okay, great. Take a step back. What percentage of women get angel funding? Right. Because you don't get VC funding out the gate. You have to go build your product. You have to go proof of concept. How many women have access to friends and family capital in the six and seven figure range? Even if you do, like how comfortable are you just asking friends and family, like write me a check for 10 or 20 or a hundred thousand dollars. It is so exclusive. It is so exclusive and, and people want to point. And then there's the whole predatory, you know, ecosystem of, oh, we're looking for female founders to put on stage. How many of the female founders who get on stage get checks. Right. Are you just checking boxes? Right. That is exactly part of what we're talking about in our journey and deciding where we choose to show up in a space and be intentional about the energy that we serve. Because before, and to your point about scarcity and abundance, before we were like, oh, we got invited to pitch. We would just show up. We'd do all this work. We'd be super excited. It would and then you kind of realize after a few of those, you were kind of the token invite. Mm. But yet all the energy and the distraction that it took away from what we really needed to do with the business, it just wasn't helpful. And so that's where we've really started to shift and say, what is meant to come for us 
is going to be there and is going to show up. And we are going to take this abundance, the opportunities that present themselves and run with them. And part of that is also having the courage to say no, having the courage to say, thanks for the invite, but we have these other priorities. I can tell you there was a conference last week and it killed us to not be there. We wanted to be there, but we had other personal reasons and we had to choose ourselves. Yeah. And that's hard because people expect you to show up. If you're not there, why not? And you have to answer all these questions. But at the end of the day, I think we truly do believe now, unless we are in a good space, we will not be in the right headspace to receive when the right opportunities are coming our way. It's basically a fuck you, we're going to build this. (laughs) It's what it is. Like we're a train on a track and we are moving and we are gaining speed. And you can either get on the train while you can or you can watch us go. Okay, but based on the ecosystem, does that only work until so far, right? These are the kinds of conversations too of we've been told and I think it's been it's been so espoused that there's one way to do this. Yeah. You get this kind of funding and then you get that kind of funding and then you build and you build and you get more funding and then you exit. And that is not the way that it actually works in the majority of the time. But we don't talk about the alternate paths enough right? There's not enough out there on bootstrapping. There's not enough out there on how quickly you can get to profitability, how quickly you can get to break even. Other ways of partnerships, I don't want to say quid pro quo, but ways to network and leverage, right? What you have. It's just this, here's the way you're supposed to do it. Check all the boxes. And that's not working. I've been philosophizing lately too, just around this universe conversation that just like, I have to ruthlessly believe that it is working for my best best yeah. outcome. Yeah. And that means every no was meant for me and every not right now was meant for me. Every yes as well, right? Mm-hmm. That, and just sort of like, oh, embracing that. That I'm like, it's okay. If it doesn't follow the freaking path, it's my path. Our success has already happened. Yeah. We just haven't come upon there it yet. There you go. It's already, yep, it's already done. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been decided. It has happened. We just haven't come upon it yet in the timeline. No, I mean, but, and then the other thing is on success, you asked, how are we redefining it for ourselves? What matters? Personally, professionally, I think all of those things have shifted. But the metrics, I think, in finding those North Stars are really important. And also that success could be very different It doesn't have to be a billion dollar company. It's great if it is. Statistically, it's unlikely. But even worst case scenario, if you fail, everything that you have learned, everything that you have experienced, we've already succeeded. We've already won. We've already succeeded. We've we've helped hundreds of people at this point. That's a success. Yeah. Well, I'm proud of you guys. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. I think. I too have been doing a lot of like universe. What is, what is in store for me? Right. What at a certain point where I'm for, I'm, it's my birthday this week too. So as you kind of stare down middle age, right? What is the next decade of my life going to be? How am I going to bring meaning to the relationships that truly matter to me? And at the end of the day, if I showed up and you knew how important you were to me, I think we win, right? Right. Ladies, if somebody would like to get involved with my UTI, follow you guys on TikTok, connect with you on LinkedIn, where should they go? Yes, we can be found on all platforms. Our website is very easy. It's myuti.com. We are on LinkedIn, 
We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. If you want to see us completely unhinged, join us on TikTok. It's the best. It is. It's where we get to have all the fun. Yeah, some of the things at some point we will, it's so much fun to work in this space. I mean, just we laugh. There are days where we literally look at each other and go, I can't believe this is a legitimate work conversation. But it is. And some of the some of the text messages, I'm like, we we'll have to screenshot some of these for posterity's sake. But there, there's some fun things. Some fun things. And I think at the end of the day, yes, if you would like to support us, probably the number one way you can do that is one, advocate for yourself and for your health. Number two is every woman knows someone who has and gets UTIs frequently. Tell them about my UTI. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being on the show. And I am just excited for the opportunity to share what you guys are doing. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.